Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, chaos reigns supreme as Facebook cuts its newsfeed. We speak with Larry Emder about his new role on The Chase and Channel 7 to show Denise Drysdale's accident from Holy Moly, which resulted in her hospital visit. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry and sports bet gets their news. <laughs> This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to the TV Black Box podcast. Sarah Monaghan is with us. Hello, Sarah. Hello, everybody. Aaron Ryan is with us. Hello, Aaron. Hello. It's good to be here, ready for the 2021 real season now that the Australian Open's finished. Yes, indeed. And Rod Morris is also with us. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Now, in that intro, I was a bit uh, having a bit of a joke, Sarah, about sports bet, but they actually ran a um, betting on Married at First Sight, and the results were based on what TV Black Box printed as the official results. So <laughs> we've made. Are they it. giving you a commission? No, and I actually wasn't sure if I could bet. But uh, they absolutely, maybe they could take out a sponsorship deal with TV Black Box, eh, if they're going to use our info. Come on, wow. sports bet. Yeah, so we could influence the betting markets. How cool. <laughs> All right, I'll take note of that. If we bet, is that insider trading? Mm, probably. Well, only if we fudge the figures, which you can't do anyway. <laughs> but, you know, but anyway, interesting. Hey, look, there's so much coming up. We will be speaking with Larry Emder. We'll also be speaking with Alison Herbert Burns, the executive director of Binge. And there is so much more to cover in this big week of news. So let's get into it. And the news media bargaining code is taking several twists and turns. In a last minute turnaround, Google has forged several deals with Australia's biggest news providers, while Facebook has switched off its news feed completely. Now, I have to confess I've had a change of heart about Google's obligations during the week and it's all because I was finally able to understand the issue with thanks to the weekly with Charlie Pickering. The show was able to explain why Google should pay up. Have a listen. Mrs. Susie, she's a Walkley award-winning journalist who's written on everything from the COVID-19 pandemic to Scott Cam's beach body workout. She is the most experienced journalist in this whole newsroom and a real asset to the country. Thanks. You're fired. What? Come on, rack off. You see, if you Google Susie's article about the recent Russian protests, you'll see this summary, this summary, these headlines, bits of these articles, and all of these pictures, which, as we know, are worth a thousand words. I wrote that. Hmm. 
Now, each of these has been pulled off a news website who had to pay a photographer or a journalist to make them. <clears throat> Sorry, former journalist. You see, Google is using other people's work to bring you the news without you ever having to leave Google. And they're getting better at it. Half of Google searches now end without the user ever leaving the Google results page, which means the clicks and the cash stay with Google. So now, for every $100 spent on online advertising in Australia, Google gets 53 of those dollars. And all of that sweet ad money that could have supported this newsroom and Susie's young family now goes to Google instead. Google says they shouldn't have to pay news organisations because they're just recommending sites. And to prove it, they've brought out the big guns. Boring corporate PR videos. Let me try and say it another way. Imagine your friend asks for a coffee shop recommendation. So you tell them about a few nearby so they can go and choose one and go get a coffee. But then you get a bill to pay all the coffee shops simply because you mentioned a few of them. It's kind of like that, except instead of just mentioning the cafes, Google gives people a free sip of coffee from each one of them. And once they've got their fix, they decide they don't need to go to a cafe anymore. Look, that's just a snippet. I highly recommend everyone go and watch the full explainer from last week's show on iView. Since last week, Google blinked and did deals worth millions of dollars with News Corp, Seven West Media, Nine Entertainment and now the ABC. Reports have the Nine deal at about $30 million, but my sources tell me it was higher than that. Rod, it makes perfect sense to me, and I'm a convert thanks to The Weekly, um, when it comes to the Google deals. That has put it in a way I now understand and I get it, makes sense. Facebook, however, is still a little bit different in my eyes because publishers choose to post their content there as a driver to their websites. Google automatically goes and gets their content to be part of search results. Is there a difference? Look, I've, this has haunted me all this week. I don't know why. Like Every day I've thought a lot about this because originally I thought, yeah, they should be paying and I really... Hadn't thought it through. And I must admit, until hearing that then, I'd gone the other way. I thought, no, nah, ah. it's, it's all, you know, to me, it's still driving people either to the paywalls or to the original sites. Now, what was the figure quoted in Charlie's piece there? What percentage of people never get out of, outside of Google? Was um, it 50-something? 50 50 51? Yeah. 53? See, to me, where my head was at was how many people look at Google or Facebook as a news source? I don't. Okay, if there's something there, like, more often than not, if I want to find, say, there's been an accident on the M1, you go, oh, what's happened there? I might Google and the Google News thing. But it's still, it will be sending me off to a news limited site. And I think, you know, I thought, well, what, what percentage of people never get outside of Google? If it's that high... Okay, they should be contributing. But, like, you guys, do you actually consider Facebook or Google as a news source? I don't consider Facebook a news source because it's just full of morons and idiots posting up their fake facts. Um, but a lot, I know, like, the last couple of weeks, like, I've been heavily searching for a puppy. And so even when I search for that or, like, my husband will be like, oh, look this up because I'm also day trading, and I'll just quickly look something up and I'll go to Google, I'll type something in, and it has a whole bunch of drop-down things. And so I can click on that and it gives me a snippet and it tells me what website it's from, but it's that little snippet that I'm looking for and I never go to that site so I get what they mean by like you like I can just get that thing and if I really want more detailed I'll click on it but for the most part you never have to leave and it's terrible because it's almost like you're just getting 
you know, like now people just read headlines and they don't read the news. So you're getting this little snippet, but then you're not getting the but, you know, mm. the rest of it. So, it, you know, it's 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 yeah. I, I And that was a really good explanation that they had, because before I was totally confused as well. Yeah, but as someone who does sense. just, you know, like if you type something in and it, and it does, it, it gives you 50 drop down boxes and you can click that and you just get like it's almost like a three line blurb of whatever you're looking for and you never need to go to a website. Well, Aaron, I think one of the things here is that I'm a bit of an old school where I go to individual websites looking for news. But there is an argument that people are doing a quick search, they're seeing it in their Facebook feeds, um, and so this is how they're consuming news and they won't go to the websites and people aren't reading the whole article. They are just getting that snippet, making a judgment, tweeting about it. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how many people, even with TV black box, they've made some derogative comment to me and I said, have you actually read the article? <laughs> you know, like, because that's not what I'm saying in that article at all. Yeah, but your headline says this. Well, hang yeah. on. Headlines are teased to get you in. It is not the publisher's job to tell you the story in the headline. The headline is a tease. And people say, well, it's clickbait. Yeah, damn straight it is. We're all, every publisher... Mm wants clickbait because they want you to go to their website. There's no money if you don't go to the website. And that, to me, is the biggest argument about Google having to pay. Yeah, I, I certainly do what you do, Rob. Um, I generally just type into Google, like literally the Daily Mail or the website that I want to go to, and then I go to that website without having mm. to do those, those checks. But I do understand that a lot of people don't do that. Um, and I think Google should pay. I've always thought that. I didn't have it quite in my head why exactly I thought that, but I, I, I get the process. But the thing for me is, and this is where I probably need someone to give me that dumb version of the, of, of the weekly, is I don't get that process, though, with Facebook. Mm. If I start, and sorry, I'm just going to try to make this as simple for me. If I start a new app and it's called Aaron's World, which is similar to Facebook, and it does really, really well, and I get myself 200 million users on there, then Rob McKnight decides to add the And Rob and Robbo show to Aaron's World because they want to be part of my 200 million viewers. Seven and nine news want to, want to add a page to my thing because they want all these 200 million viewers as well. Why would I pay them? Like, I yeah. don't understand why I would be paying them. It's happy that it's kind of free. You put up a free page. If anything, they should be paying me because they've got part of my 200 million viewers. I don't understand if someone can explain to me why Facebook would pay somebody money because they want to be on my site. I yeah. don't understand it at all. We somebody. need Charlie Pickering and The Weekly to do an explainer on that for us so we can understand it. But here's the one last interesting point. Let's use the $30 million figure being bandied around about what Nine got, even though I know that's wrong. And as I said, it's higher. Now, how much of that goes back into doing quality journalism? Now, I have been sniffing around that and people are telling me Initially, most of the money, if not all of it, will go back into funding these newsrooms. But there's no guarantee going forward that all of the money will and some of it will be returned to shareholders. And so there's an interesting thing here that Google is paying for journalism that won't necessarily all go towards journalism, Rod. Yeah, well, that's wrong. If that's what they're doing, the money, if it's just going back into some sort of consolidated revenue or shareholders as well. That's not where the payment should be going, but, you know. 
Yeah, but they are companies trying yeah. to survive as well. And if they can get a boost to their newsrooms and take a little bit of cream, mm. you know, it, it is Australian journalism and it doesn't discount what they're trying to get Google to pay for. The question is, with Facebook, should they be doing that? And we've obviously seen what Facebook have done. Facebook are playing hardball now. That's going to be interesting to see where it goes throughout the next week. But um, I've got a feeling the more Australian media derides Facebook, I think Facebook are going to stand their ground. I must admit the thing that – another thing, like when I was trying to think, you know, who was right and who was wrong in this – I couldn't help but thinking of News Limited and Foxtel. Uh, like, for a long time, they couldn't sell advertising because, hey, people are paying on subscription. To me, mm. that always still feels that they're double-dipping. Oh, we're going to yes. charge you a subscription and we're yeah. going to hit you up with ads. And now they're whinging about getting promotion on Facebook or Google. It's, to me, it's Uncle Rupert and his, his team going, oh, no, we'll try and suck a bit more money out of here. Until hearing Charlie's thing then, I'd sort of gone completely the way in favour. I hate to say it. I'd gone in favour of Facebook and Google. Charlie's things pull me back to the mid-ground, so I'm still... The Facebook one is... Uh, Google is clear-cut now, and I'm yeah. firmly on the field that Google should pay. Facebook? I'm not so sure. Yeah. Let's move on. As first reported by TV Black Box, Larry Emdrill will be stepping into Andrew O'Keefe's shoes, replacing him as host of The Chase Australia. He's set to film his first episodes next month to be broadcast later this year. Seven Network's programming director, Angus Ross, said he is the ideal host for The Chase Australia. Australians love Larry. Australians love the show. Together, they are the perfect combination. Larry appeared on the And Robin Robbo show on Monday evening to talk about his new role and I asked him how he felt about the appointment. Rob, I, I feel uh, I feel very, very excited, like incredibly excited, but nervous at the same time. It, it's been a while uh, since I've had to do this and the jazz hands and the, the bouncing around the big set. <laughs> but I'm, um, you know, it's, it's in my blood. You know me, this is something that I feel very, very passionate about this space. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity. This is one of the the greatest TV quiz shows in the world, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Did you have any doubts about accepting the role? There's a lot of pressure on this role. It's the big audience grabber that comes mm. in before the news. It's the big lead-in. There's a lot of pressure on this show to perform. <laughs> Did you have any doubts? Well, you're asking that uh, to a man who said yes to Celebrity Splash and Celebrity Dog School. So, uh, <laughs> look, I, no, no, you know what? This is one of the great shows. I, I know it, you know it, the network knows it, the viewers know it. So I, I think it's a, you know, it's a good solid ship to jump on. It's, uh, I put it out on Instagram yesterday, that the announcement that I was doing it, and so much love and so much viewer passion for this show. Uh, mm. People really, you know, flocking onto, the, uh, onto Instagram just saying, you know, what this show means and how important it is. And I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. So you know that it was, it, it means a lot. And I know from a, a, a televisual perspective and a production exp a, a experience what goes into that and how important it is. So the answer to your question is no. Like the, 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 the offer came, the discussion was unfolding and it was, uh, it was an exciting proposition for me. And, and of course, I mean, uh, first things first, you know, I had to say to them, I, I'm still doing morning show. I'm not, mm. not doing the morning show. So if we can't make that work, then I can't discuss this with you any further. So we, we crossed that bridge very early uh, and then it became something that I can, uh, you know, and, and manage and just sort of settle into and, and get excited about. Larry, I think obviously we know the answer that, you know, obviously you love uh, the morning show, but tell me what, why was that so important to make sure that you still got to do the show? 
Oh, you know, I was here day one when, when this show was a baby. Mm. Kylie and I gave birth to this thing, and it's it's been such a treat. And, and Rob, you know, Rob will, and now it's a naughty teenager age thirteen. The show, you know, so I, I and and it's 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 the best thing I've ever done in, in my career, my forty years. Uh, it really is. I, I love it. It's uh, um, and I would hate to go out from that. At this point, uh, I really would, because we're just, you know, we're just having such a good time. I love doing it every day, and it's something that I wanted to continue doing. That's for sure. Well, Larry, it's been number one since day one, and I had the good fortune to be with you there at the beginning of the morning show before I rocked off to Studio Ten. <laughs> but what I loved about that is you literally have been number one since day one. It was yeah. a rejuvenation of your career, and you really gave everything to that role. You know, you looked after the people. I mean, the party you hosted uh, when the show launched, you were the man who got me onto Wild Turkey. And you... Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> but it really has been a big part of your life, hasn't it, the morning show? Oh, completely. And I've been around in television for a long time and I've been on some great shows and I've been on some dodgy shows as well. Uh, but I haven't, I've never done a show that's gone for this long mm. and this long at number one. Uh, it's a great team. It's an incredible family, Sarah and Kylie and the entire team. And it's something I love and I feel very, very, very passionate about. And I, and I've felt differently about other shows during my career. You know that, um, <laughs> but this is, this is one that from the start and we've been through a lot, you know, Kylie and I, uh, um, and Sarah and the team have been through a lot together, plenty of different challenges along the way, uh, and um, still going strong. So it was nothing mm. that I ever thought for a moment that I am ready at this point to walk away from. So, Larry, in your announcement, you said you were going to learn how to say a particular volcano in Iceland. Have you done that yet? Can you say it for us now? No, well, I, I only, Rob, I only said that yesterday. Um, and, I, and I've been very busy uh, working out which smile I'm going to use when the, uh, when the show starts. Yeah, so I'll put that as a priority. <laughs> but I, will, I, will, no, I, need to, I need to know all these big words, right? I've got to get my smile right. I've got to get around to saying yep. uh, properly, and your time starts now. Or is it, and your time yeah. starts now. Like, I've I got, I got a lot going on yeah. here to work out. I understand. No, I understand. You're a professional. I understand. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now, Larry, there's no doubt, you know, I love and adore you. And, and one of the things I think people don't know about you is you are one of the nicest people in television and you do look after people. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, but when I did get uh, let go from Channel 10, you were one of the first to contact me and say, it'll be OK. It's, it can be a shit industry as well as a great industry. And these are hurdles. Um, You've been through the ringer through many of your careers. You've had the highs and lows. So you understand that more than anyone, don't you? Oh, I think I'm the most axed person in TV, Rob, if, <laughs> if you count it all out, actually. I think I've worked on, uh, and we laugh, you know, and I, 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 I think it's funny. And I get to this point in my career and I look back and I go, all those crappy shows I did, it's okay. Because I ended up here, you know, I ended up here doing this. Yeah. Uh, so it's all worked out. I, I, every crappy show gave me a new skill, something like uh, Cash Bonanza. It was dodgy show but it was massive it was, oh i liked cash audience. bonanza just oh, quietly <laughs> right so it's like an audience of two thousand people so from a, a host perspective or an mc perspective uh just to work to that audience so the show was 
wasn't that great, but it gave me a whole new skill set to take on to the next show that I knew that I could do TV in front of uh, an audience of 2,000 people. So I, I look back at all those little chapters very lovingly. There's no, no regrets in my career, but to your question, absolutely, I know what it's like to get that phone call or reading the paper that, uh, that mm. you're finishing up. Although, when I, I don't think I've ever told you this. When I was 15 years old, you were hosting a show called The Main Event. And yeah. I actually oh, I snuck a video camera into the studio. I was making videos at my high school, scanner screen videos, and I actually snuck a camera in, and when all the audience had gone, I just hung around, pulled out this camera, and got you to do this. Hi, I'm Larry Ember from Channel 7's Main Event. Hi to all the viewers of Scanner Screen 5, and let's hope that you see what's in Main Event as well. And this is it where we edit, right? <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Wow. <laughs> yeah, That's I've amazing. been stalking you for years, Larry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, like, I'm torn between actually laughing and maybe calling the cops. Well, it's weird that you have that. If only you'd known all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a great show, 1992, the main event. It was the first show, I believe, from Channel 7 to actually go up and beat 60 Minutes. So back yes. in the day, that was quite a... And it was ahead of its time because we were crossing live to, uh, uh, you know, people in their homes, So, which, of course, now you do at the drop of a hat. It's no big deal. But back then for a, a game show, it was, it, was, it was a great show. It, it really was ahead of its time. And as actually thinking about it, it should be one of the shows they look at because it uh, bringing back, they're bringing back everything now. And that was a yeah, little right. um, diamond in the rough, that show. It was a really, really good show really was. And hopefully I can remember what, what it's like to uh, ask all those questions because I'm going to need that skill again now. I'm going to jump over Price's Right skills that I learned about, like, uh, you know, how many steps does Cliffy take before he pulls off the yodeling <laughs> thing. And I'm going to go back to old-fashioned quizzing and go, what's it like to ask questions on the clock and get, get everything right? So it's, uh, it was great fun. Just quickly, Larry, have you worked out how to say that volcano yet? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm just... I'm shivering. <laughs> hey Siri, <laughs> next, next time we speak, I will have that for you. Hey, Larry, I am really looking forward to seeing you on The Chase. It's moving production to Sydney. You start filming in March. When can we expect your episodes on air, do you think? Have they given you any so, indication? So we start filming, uh, I think, more towards April, middle to end of April there, Rob. And right. uh, they haven't given me any indication. My discussions with them at this point have really been about, um, you know, the audition process and doing all that sort of stuff. So now, this week, I believe, we'll sit down and I can get a little more intimate with how it's going to roll out. But uh, it'll be it's later in the year that's all i know did you point. actually have to audition yeah of course yeah, yeah. really yeah 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 they know your I'm work uh, this is a no brain when we ran a poll on the tv black box website we asked who should be the replacement host you won hands down like it was is that right ev oh, everyone said larry oh that's very sweet i love mm. your i love your audience yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's very Send nice. Send more exclusives my way, Larry. Oh, yeah, just one yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, you know what? I, and and I, um, I appreciated the opportunity uh, to audition, but it was also important for me too, Rob, because I haven't done this for a long time. Man, I've been sitting on that couch merrily mm. uh, with people bringing me a skim latte at, at 10.25 every day. And it is a very different, <laughs> it's a very different performance level. It really is. It's a mm. whole different kettle of, kettle of fish. And I, so I, it was, it, it was important for me uh, to get back on a shiny floor with big lights and cameras everywhere. And, and, and for me to see if I could do it and have the faith moving forward. So it was Well, important. Larry, 
I cannot wait to see it. I think you are going to be brilliant and you are the perfect person for this. You know I love you. Robbo loves you. Ange loves you. There's so much love for you here at this show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And if I could have the uh, poster from my bedroom behind you there, Rob, back, because I just need to put it back on. Thanks, guys, so much. Great to test. Yeah, yeah, right. Triple O, triple O, crazy guy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Larry. God, you can't help but love Larry. Rod, the Chase Australia is Australia's number one pre-6pm game show. It often outrates primetime shows. Um, do you think Larry will do it? Will hold those numbers? I, I hope so. Um, I don't know if you guys realise, but I actually build all the technology that runs the Chase and it's my offside. Ah. Uh, yeah, that's, wow. that's my handiwork. Basically, everything you see on that show other than talent and lighting and paint and timber is yours truly. Thank you very much. Wow. Um, uh, I hope it works. I love the the chase as a format. It's obviously got a great audience. Seven obviously need it to 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 work for them. It's been working for them since we got it off the ground. I just hope it, it feels to me still that Larry's got to bring something new to it. I'll, I'll give you one other little insight. They are going to revamp the set a bit. Um, episodes are probably going to start recording around Easter time, so we're still not going to see it for a while. The one thing I'm wondering is how many of Andrew's episodes they will end up burning, if any at all. I, I think they're going to run all of them, and I'll tell you why. It is a publicity nightmare because here's the thing. We know that contracts contain a clause for game shows that contestants don't get paid unless the episode goes to air. If they pull those episodes, Seven will have a PR disaster because all of those contestants will go to a current affair. There'll be stories about Seven ripping people off. So does Seven take the hit and pay those contestants their winnings? Do they write off all the production costs? Well, maybe 10 years ago you would have said, yeah, we'll just pay everyone out. We're not in that world anymore. Budgets are still very important. Nobody wants to waste money. I actually feel like they might just run them through and then start the Larry episodes in, like, July. Um, I think at the when all this went down, I reported that they had six months' worth of episodes in the can at a cost of $15 million dollars. I really think we're going to see them run them through and that's going to allow Larry time to really develop and, you know, the pressure won't be on to turn the whole thing around too fast. You want to make sure that when Larry launches, he launches with a bang. Of course, Seven may make the decision just to get in there, but the fact is the chase is still raining. Aaron, there is no need to drop the Andrew O'Keefe episodes. Yeah, I, I, I guess the only thing that might turn them around in that regard is if there's some big t- twist in, in Andrew's case sure um, but, oh and then all yeah. bets are off 100 yeah. percent. i think the timeline for the shooting which uh larry actually mentioned is mid to late april which means the episodes aren't going to be going to air uh you know won't, won't be available probably for you know june july and then that fits in with the six months worth of episodes that we've mentioned before and if they run them all you know five days a week they can easily get through the episodes by um by may or june so I think it's, it's quite easy for them to play out the episodes. I think mm. that, that's the only timeline that they've got anyway. Um, interesting, Rod, you being there. Oh, you would have seen some fun with the production process. I know you wouldn't be able to talk about that, but uh, uh, I uh, think I, we can all agree that it will be an easier production to work on going forward. Yes, I, I have too many close friends at ITV and Seven to tell you too much more. But, yeah, look, it, it's great that Larry's there. He'll do an excellent job. I look forward to seeing how he makes it his. We all do. He'll be great. Look, time to take a look at the ratings race and much has been made about the tennis, which is down year on year, with the Australian reporting the delayed start has 
seen audience figures drop by a third for Channel 9. But that hasn't brought success to the other networks, with Holy Moly on 7 dropping below the 500,000 mark most nights and The Amazing Race holding steady at under 600k. Last week, ABC's Hard Quiz was the top entertainment show with 685,000 Metro viewers, while 7 News topped the week. 9 won with 30.7% of the audience, followed by 7 on 25.3, 10 on 17.9 and the ABC on 17.8. But in primary channels, 10 fell to 4th behind the ABC. Now the tennis is finished, all eyes have been on Monday night's results. And Married at First Sight has returned with a bang with just under a million viewers and it was the number one show of the night. The Amazing Race had a touch over 500k and Holy Moly ended with a whimper on 491,000. In the morning, Sunrise had 265,000 compared to the Today Show on 186,000 and ABC News Breakfast on 168,000. Aaron, maths is back, baby. It is. And... Look, when the ratings came out this morning, there was no real surprise. I was probably about 100K out for both Holy Moly and for Maths. I thought it would get just a tad over 1 million. It got just a tad under 1 million. This is the new the new reality. Holy Moly has been tracking around that 500,000 mark. So I thought maybe 550 for the finale. It got just under 500. Um so it appears that, you know, if, if Holy Moly had have launched against Mavs, it would have been a hard slog for them. So they're probably, seven are probably happy that they've done the grand final now on the first night and they can move on with, with other programming. But yeah, it's a bit of a doldrum, isn't it? It's just, you know, like when you're looking at 500,000, 600,000 figures. It's you the know, start of ratings. Yeah. It's really weird. And, you know, the amazing race last night just beat Holy Moly, but that was only because of Melbourne and Adelaide. Holy Moly won in other states. I don't know, it's just, it's pretty somber watching ratings come out and you go, oh, they won and with, you know, 600,000 viewers. Mm. But, I mean, I think this was expected. Everyone knew that Maths was going to was gonna win and it's been, and Holy Moly's been tracking around that 500 mark. So, all is expected so far. Uh, so I must it, admit, I've got to jump in there. I know you said it earlier, but the, the, congratulations to the Hard Quiz team beating the tennis last Wednesday night. That was just so awesome. <laughs> who, who would have thought a little 30-minute ABC game show could beat one of the most popular sports in the world? Bias anyway. alert, bias <laughs> alert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sarah, it really is a tale of two cities here. We've got Holy Moly in Australia, which has rammed through 90-minute episodes um, multiple nights a week, and it has fallen very fast because it was too much too soon. Whereas in the States, Holy Moly has just been renewed for another two seasons because it only plays, what, once a week? Yeah, I think I think Australia just goes too hard too fast with some of their shows, and it's just nobody has time to sit at home and watch the same thing every night. Like, it, I get that it's popular and you think it's going to be cool, but you're ramming it down people's throat and sometimes less is more. Mm. Well, a new night and a new time slot might spell trouble for ABC's Q&A, but the broadcaster say it's too soon to tell. The year-on-year comparisons show that last week it was watched by 280,000 Metro viewers, a decline of nearly a third from a year ago. However, an ABC spokesperson has said they are happy with how the show is going, claiming it is far too early to have any meaningful audience data, particularly given the major sporting events being the cricket and the Australian Open that the show has been up against. Um, Aaron, where's my bell? 
I'm calling BS <laughs> to say that it's too early to tell. We get instantaneous ratings, you know, 8.58 the following morning. We know what the ratings are. The fact is the audience have not moved to Q&A. Even when it's been up against other sporting events, the show has had its own audience. Why haven't the audience gone to Thursday nights? Well, I'm agreeing with you about the BS. I mean, of course, that's what the ABC is saying. They could have had 150,000 viewers and they would have said something like, we're, we're happy the way it's tracking or, or something like that. Thursday night's traditionally not a big night of, of ratings anyway. I mean, the big nights are obviously Sunday and Monday. Thursday nights have been a bit of a... It's like the start of the weekend now with ratings. So I guess they would have at least thought that the ratings would have been the same or at least a little bit more and depending on on what days you're tracking it is below last year i mean quite a few episodes last year had, had under three hundred thousand on a on a monday night it depends on right. whether there's bushfires on whether there's elections on if alan jones is on it seems to to go up on you know with ratings if there's a prime minister on there it seems to go up in ratings or so, so hang on if, if he was declining last year is this a format problem the the show has had a change of host a change of format in some ways uh is this a problem with the direction of the show you're right ahead of me that that's what i think it is i just like the traditional format q a were going for this let's bring down the demos and make it a little bit cooler and a little bit more fresh and all that sort of stuff and it, that's a different audience. I mean, look at the ratings again for last night. W what beat Holy Moly and The Amazing Race Australia was Australian Story. People actually mm -hmm. that watch the ABC like the traditional old-fashioned ways of doing shows. And this, you know, belling it up a little bit with Hamish and having this, this new format and making it cooler, it, it doesn't really work for me. I still watch it because I do I do like the, the format of the show, you know, panellists and discussion kind of things. That's why I watch the uh, And Robin Robbo show, by the way. Because I, li <laughs> I, like I, I like a bit of talk. Because I like a bit of talk. for that. <laughs> yes. Five bucks it, for that one. But, it, yeah, it's just it's just the change. It's just I, I don't like I don't like the, the format change. And it was hovering around 300,000 last year. It's not going to improve this year. Interesting what you say, though, about it changing and going for younger demos. This is the problem for TV. TV skews older. And the fact is they're trying to bring down the demos to get the younger viewers and it's alienating the older audiences. This is a problem across every television show. It's really, really tough, really tough for every executive making these decisions. Yeah, look, it, it, to me it's a sign of the ABC losing touch with their demo. And, okay, their demo skews very old, but they're creatures of habit. If you're going to move their favourite program to, to Thursday night where there's always less eyeballs watching the TV anyway, of course it's going to go down the toilet. And, yes, the changes, you know, they're creatures of habit, ABC viewers. You know, they get into their groove, they like their thing, you know, they just, they're not fans of change. And to think mm. you're going to skew much younger by bringing a younger host and shifting a night, I think, no, nah, they're out of touch with their demo. Mm. Well, this weekend we will finally see the Celebrity and Kids edition of Holy Moly. And included in the celebrities taking on the course is Matt Rogers, Barry Hall, Stephen Bradbury and, of course, Denise Drysdale. Now, look, Drysdale's serious accident on set resulting in surgery became an infamous tale. And now it appears we may see it all play out. TV Black Box first reported last year that Seven were considering showing the footage and in a new promo for the special episode and via the press releases, it appears that will indeed happen. Sarah, this is interesting because there's no denying this accident got a lot of publicity for the show. 
The fact that they're airing this suggests to me that all the financials with Drysdale or Denise have been worked out in that the medical bills and all that kind of stuff because if it was going to the courts, one would assume they wouldn't be showing this footage. Um, do you think it's in bad taste to show something where someone was seriously hurt? Um, I think as long as she's fine with it um, and she signed off on it, it's okay. And, you know, maybe they're trying to do it to show that the course is not that easy. And, of course, it had so much publicity, they're probably desperate to show it because they're hoping that people will watch just for that. Well, I'm telling you, if you're going to put anything against maths, Saren, uh, this would be it. It's had six months' worth of publicity, I, maybe not quite that long, but it's had a lot of publicity, and it's. Uh, I know I'm desperate to see it. You know, we talked about this last year on the TV Black Box podcast when it first happened, will they show it? And there was all these different opinions and it's kind of gone back and forth. And do you know what my take it take on it now is? It's just that I think they should show it for one reason only. And it's just because that's the truth. This is a, a course where people are getting smacked and hit and accidents happen. Um, and if an accident accident does happen, you actually don't need to cover it up. You need to say that these things mm. happen and actually show it. I think it just be shown because it's a truthful thing to do. Holy yeah. moly, it can be dangerous. Someone's had an accident. Here's the accident, and the person has been taken to hospital, and you move on. I mean, people love car crash TV. I mean, if you're sitting at a bar, there's always one TV station that's showing, like, Chive TV or, like, actual, like, just the crashes from, like, Formula One or whatever. I mean, huh. people love accidents. It's short and Freud. People love it. They all want to see the accident. You hear everybody going like, ooh. But people like to see people get hurt as long as they don't uh, die. Uh, absolutely. And if a promo producer can't make the greatest promo for that whole series out of that, well, they're not doing their, their job correctly. And uh, over the years, any time I've been involved with a show where something's gone wrong, um, I remember we did Million Dollar Drop and one of the – for everyone remembers that, the four trapdoors, woman thumped the thing, the money fell through – Nine execs all had the shits on the night that it happened. And I said, you'll all make pro – yeah, that, that'll be the that week's promos. Sure enough, they promoted that for the whole week. <laughs> so, you know, as you say, Sarah says, people love to see a car crash. And Ninja Warrior do it when they have accidents. They The promo comes out, this is the episode where someone is pulled from the course. What happens? Find out. You know, and that sort of stuff. And I, the I, audience love it. I think the great irony is that she did it. Didn't she trip over putting? And, like, it wasn't one of the big stunts where there's, you know, the, the toilet door yeah. slam and then whatever. She, she was getting she electric shocks. So she was, was doing the Frankenstein or Frankenpart course, whatever it's called. Yeah. And she, if you miss a putt, you get an electric shock. And so she was wearing the guard. But, look, I, I, I've heard so many stories I uh, about what really happened. This is why I'm keen more than anyone, I think, to see this and to see how it played out. But my final takeaway is that um, she literally just tripped on the course. She wasn't mucking around, uh, which was my first reporting, which was how I heard it went down. So, you know, I've had to ret retract that reporting. Um, my final take was it literally just happened on the course. She wasn't doing anything wrong. But this weekend we will find out for sure. Well, maybe that's why they want to show it, to show that it was just a freak accident and it wasn't, you know, bad anything happening. Mm. I'll be fascinated to see how the OHS manager has to revise their risk assessment for Series huh. 2. <laughs> mm. Will there be a Series 2? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Good point. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. 
Thanks, Rob. It has been the documentary that has had everyone talking, and finally, Aussies will be able to watch Framing Britney Spears. Scheduled to air on Tuesday, March 2nd at 9pm on Channel 9, the doco explores Britney's rise to fame and the controversial conservatorship overseen by her father. And since we brought you the news of Ada Nikodomu joining the All-Stars cast of Dancing with the Stars, two more names have been announced, Tom Williams and Fifi Box. Tom was a Season 2 champion and Fifi Box came in second in Season 6. Dance rehearsals began last week, with filming set to begin next week. Australia continues to secure its status as the new Hollywood, with yet another series set to be filmed on its shores. God's Favourite Idiot, a Netflix comedy produced and starring Melissa McCarthy and Belle Falcone, will film in New South Wales, expecting to employ more than 300 local cast and crew. And after its unveiling in February 2020, A-list drama Gaslit has undergone a few changes. Joel Edgerton was set to star and direct, however he and his brother Nash are no longer involved. Arnie Hammer was also originally attached, but has exited. And now, Matt Ross has come on board as director and executive producer of the series, starring Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Production is set to begin in the American Spring. And for all the foodies out there, there's a new 24-7 cooking channel on the 7 Network streaming service, 7 Plus. Gusto TV will showcase a mix of diverse cuisines, unique food pairings, and entertaining hosts, and comes after the closure of 7 Food at the end of 2019. And that is this week's Patches and Spatches. Thank you, Sarah. In a moment, we're going to meet the Executive Director of Binge and find out what their plans are going forward in competing in an ever-crowding market. We'll also open the TV Binge Box and find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These are real confessions. Saying I'd wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old. From real serial killers. We've just got to be violent to them. Best-selling true crime author Amanda Howard doesn't just talk about their crimes. She talks directly to them. It's all getting a bit much, really. It's the podcast that goes where others fear to tread. Monsters Who Murder. Serial Killer Confessions. Subscribe now in your favourite podcast feed. Well, as consumers turn to streamers for entertainment, the battle is now on for eyeballs and dollars. In Australia, we have an array of choices in the streaming market, but one that's trying to stand out with big events is Binge. The streamer has just announced it will have a same-day-and-date premiere of Jack Snyder's Justice League. This is the special cut of the film from the original director and it's sending fans into a frenzy around the world. I sat down with Executive Director of Binge, Alison Huber-Burns, to talk about the latest acquisition and the future of Binge. Alison, welcome to TV Black Box. Great to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me. Look, it's a pleasure. Binge has been doing a lot of exciting stuff. 
But having Zack Snyder's Justice League feature film happening at the same time as a release overseas, that's pretty damn exciting. We think so. We we love that this has come from the fans and as much as possible um, we try and give them what, 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 what they want and when we can. So this was something that's been on our radar for a long time and we've worked really closely with Warner Brothers um, over the last few months to make this happen and we're just so excited to be able to put it out there and let everyone know that it's, it's finally happening. It's going to be here. And it had to be in line with the world because this is a fan event um, and we didn't want people finding out about the endings or the outcomes through internet forums. We wanted to make sure they had a chance to, to go with the world. Now, that's an important part too because when something is released and if there's a delay in Australia, that's always a fan criticism. It leads to illegal downloading, spoilers. So when you've got an event like this, it really is important to have that same premiere, isn't it? We try to, yeah, as much as we're as possible. Um, Every deal is different and it's not mm. always possible, but we do try where we can. Um, and what we're finding around the world is with so many different platforms and with lots of linear channels now having streaming alternatives, um, what triggers the world premiere is, is often changing and it's a moving beast, but we, we do try as much as possible um, to fast track these big fan events where we and, can. And do you, have you guys seen this film yet or will you see it when everyone else sees it? I'll see it when everyone else sees it. Um, we know a little bit. We know a little bit more about it, and we've had a few things being drip fed to us. Um, but no, we're kind of with everyone else. Every time something gets dropped, um, or we see, you know, the extended trailers and things, we, we're all sitting around the same computer watching it together. So, oh wow, um, yeah, we've, that's why we've really marked our calendars. We're all we're there that night. We've, we're all be congregating together. Oh, that's great. Hey, I want to talk to you about binge because as the executive director. We're now in a new age where streaming is king. We're seeing television audiences erode and they're all going to streaming services. There are a lot of streaming services in this country. How do you get Binge to stand out from the crowd? For Binge, we, we feel very strongly that we've got the world's best content and we're being able to serve it up for a streaming generation. Um, we've, we've gone out to the world and bought the very best content that money can, can get us mm. from partners that we know are, you know, commissioning in a direction that we want to be going in. Um, and we really feel that what Binge's lineup offers, even in a very busy market where there's a lot of opportunities um, for consumers already, um, that we've got a mainstream volume play as much as a premium drama offering. And we really deserve to find our, our space in the market based on the pedigree of our lineup. Mm. Um, obviously, it's a challenge to let people know about you and find a way to um, and launch. Certainly during COVID, it was a very different launch and a bit of a, you know, um, a non-traditional launch without the fireworks <laughs> and the fanfare that sometimes come with these things because we were all doing it from home. Um, but we really, we just believe strongly that we've got great, great programming for people to enjoy. How much harder does that get with the output deals? Every network and content provider around the world is now launching a streaming service and they're now wanting to use their own content. And we've seen that with some other local streaming services where they're now having to make their own. How much harder does it get from you trying to source content from around the globe? Yeah, we've, we're, we're in a fortunate position at Binge um, and with the Foxtel group 
content acquisition strategy that there's still you know significant volumes that are being bought and traded by Foxtel from our partners and the mm. partners that they have are from a very varied source so when you think about you know British content on BBC first and the sources they might be buying from four or five big production companies to fill a channel like that um, so you've, you in some ways you've you've got um, a lot of your content really spread from various sources and because of the breadth and offering of, of, of that Foxtel um, supply pipeline. And then for Binge, it's about making sure, you know, that we're focusing in on the content that's right for this streaming generation. Um, and, you know, we, we have a different lineup to Foxtel. Foxtel has everything um, and Binge takes a more curated um, approach, mm. which is more appropriate for, the you know, the generation we're going after, but also, um, you know, the offering at the, at the value and with the, the range that we're going for. Um, but ultimately, you're the future for Foxtel, the way I see it, because as consumers turn away from linear um, options, binge and other streamers become the go-to for consumers looking for content, don't they? Well, I think, you know, without talking too much on Foxtel's behalf, you know, their, their on-demand offering and how they've changed mm. their lineup with the technology of, you know, anyone that's got an IQ4 now um, and the volume that you can get on there. And you've seen a shift in behaviour from the Foxtel mm. base as well about how they're watching content. There's definitely people that love their channels and those that get a brilliant premium um, board experience on Foxtel. You know, for us, it's it's on demand and it's and it's going for an audience that have chosen not to have Foxtel um, or they haven't got Foxtel in their family lineup. And we think there's, you know, a big proportion of the Australian population that like our offering mm. that, um, you know, and that's certainly where we've seen the growth today come from. So with your strategy, what would you like to see Binge achieving within the next five years? Well, I think we, um, you know, like I said before, but having a place in people's households, you know, it's, I've always liked to think it's a privilege to be invited into someone's lounge room and to be part of their entertainment lineup. And for us, it's it's finding our space in that lineup so that people know that, you know, if you really want the best content in the world, you need binge as part of your repertoire of streaming. Um, and certainly when you look at premium drama, you know, and, and the volumes and the things that Netflix are producing, but then the sources of supply for premium drama that binge offer, if you're a serious drama fan, um, binge needs to be in your lineup. Look, I think Binge offers a great array of content. You talked about the content offerings being first class. I completely agree with that. And you're doing that with this premiere. Jack Snyder's Justice League feature film cut, his director's cut, is premiering in Australia on the 18th of March at 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. This is going to be one to sit down and watch as it happens because as soon as this thing goes to air or start streaming, it's going to be all over the internet. <laughs> so you need to get on it. Definitely. And I think, you know, we were wondering what time it might come to Australia because, you know, sometimes if it's going out in prime time in America, it mm. often then means we get it on Monday afternoon for a Sunday night premiere. So we're thinking, okay, afternoon, but then the stream is often drop at midnight. So the way the timing of this has worked is that it's six o'clock on a Thursday evening heading into the weekend. Um, so for our fans, you know, you don't have to watch it at work. You don't have to get up in the middle of the morning um, or the middle of the night. So we actually think it's a really cool world moment 
moment and the fact that we'll almost be in prime time, um, you know, movie zone is really exciting and we expect fans. It's four hours. So I think if you think of a film, you know, there's lots of films where you want to see it on a big screen, um, but the idea to have a four-hour film in high definition in your house Mm. and you can stop and make a cup of tea or you can be messaging your friends in live time, we think there'll be a lot of, you know, fan watching and viewing together which is lovely to be able to host COVID safe in your house and all the rest of it so we just think that adds to the beauty of having it on a streaming service and people can watch it on their kind of terms at home and we hope there's viewing parties and and kind of communal ways that people can enjoy it together because fans these are this is where these types of content's wonderful. You, you feed off the theories. You, you see it with the Walking Dead fans, especially. You, you expect things to happen a certain way. You want to react together, mm. um, not kind of in the silence of a cinema. So I think I think it'd be a really unique way for people to experience such a big such a big film. Yeah, I can see lots of Justice League parties happening. Hey, Alison, thank you so much for being on TV Black Box. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Binge goes. It's certainly becoming a big player. It's got the backing of Foxtel and News Corp, of course. So it's certainly making a name for itself. But obviously Stan and uh, Netflix and Disney are the big players at the moment. So we'll watch that one with interest. But now it's time to find out what everyone's been watching this week. And I'm going to begin with you, Aaron. What have you been watching? Well, I was just going to mention two shows, um, Bridgerton. So I've now watched all eight episodes and I liked it, but I thought it was average. I understand, like, I actually enjoy, like, love stories. I love Notting Hill, for example. Um, But this is built on the premise that the two leads are absolutely morbid. They are super depressed, wallowing, fighting, giving into temptation, (laughs) and then being miserable again. The two leads would have would smiled at least twice during the entire eight episodes. They were super (laughs) depressed. The whole I don't know why people like these shows where people are depressed. Isn't it? Well, no. That's the thing about Bridget. In the first five episodes, it's all like your parents could watch it with you. It's totally normal. And then all of a sudden, they just start falling fucking on air and you're just like what the hell just happened there i mean it's good porn but it's like where 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 did this episode come from i can't watch this with my parents i've only gotten to the end of episode one i'll have to keep watching hey they were even depressed during the sex it was just oh my god it was it's so depressing that show i mean it's and how you can be depressed having sex with reggie jean i have no idea because that guy is the hottest man on television right now like i don't know what is wrong with those people that they are not just ecstatic well let me go from bridgerton to the other series that i briefly mentioned last week the foxdale series the end um because i've watched a few more episodes i honestly thought this show was going to be like a place to call home i thought it was a new australian drama like that the second and third episode has Noni hazelhurst with her tits out in the <laughs> retirement home pool taking drugs uh, uh, and possibly uh, being sexually fluid in the pool uh, the lead actor um tried and wanted to kill herself um, through a few episodes. And then here's a good one, even more than Noni Hazelhurst with her tits out. The teenager in the story, um, probably 15 years old, he's um, realising that he's gay. He goes to a festival and he takes a pill or something like that. And these female singers come towards him. But at this stage now, he's hallucinating. And their faces, all these girls' faces, turn into vaginas. And all the vaginas are singing to him in like godly songs you know jesus songs in actual vaginas as you see on screen five vaginas singing out of him when noni was on there so this is like i don't know what to make of this 
Well, you know, she would not refer to it as getting her tits out. She would refer to it as an artistic choice based on the motivations of the character. But let me tell you a side note about older Australians and older people in general. Did you know that nursing homes have the highest rate of STDs because all the people inside the nursing homes are all bonking each other. They're bonking each other all the time. It is outrageous how much sex is going on and how much... It's the untold story of Australian nursing homes, all the STDs that they all get. It's all on the end, trust me. Singing for Giant, <laughs> Noni Hazelhurst with her tits out. If you want to watch it, it's the end on Foxtel. There's a plug for you. Sarah, what have you been watching? Uh, basically NCIS. <laughs> but we're finally up to Ziva, so I'm happy. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Rod, what about you? Well, boringly, I've still been watching The Crown, but I've actually gone back and watched something that I watched late last year. And if you guys like a good a bit of a good bit of on-screen sex, Brave New World. Have you seen that on Stan? No. A, re- a retelling of the old Aldous Huxley story, one of my favourite novels of, as a kid, set 600 years in the future where relationships are impo- uh, illegal, but you have to have sex with everybody. Great-looking cast, great-looking oh. production value. So Brave New World on Stan. And what I'm actually looking forward to coming up soon, I want to get into Clarice and see how Rebecca Breeds, the Australian mm. girl, goes playing the uh, an updated version of Jodie Foster's character. And another thing I'm looking forward to is I Care A Lot, which is uh, the, the Rosamund Pike series where she basically plays a woman taking control of people, older people, sort of um, getting back to talking about people in retirement villages she basically it looks like she just goes and cherry picks older people who are dying but then she picks on the wrong one who turns it on her look looks fascinating so yeah hmm. i haven't said i haven't said yeah I don't, I don't think it started yet but i'm looking forward to it if you look at the promos it looks awesome okay. hey, hey rod that clarice show that you're talking about obviously based you know the character from hannibal and all that kind of stuff some people said it's you know, it's okay the show, but the fact that they're not allowed to refer to any other character or to Hannibal because they apparently don't have the rights to that. It's only to that character, Clarice, okay. and, it, and it's loosely based. They're not actually allowed to have Hannibal Lecter in the show or refer to anything within that universe. And, uh, yeah, and it, it becomes Does that matter? She hadn't met him by this point. Isn't yeah. it set before, is it set before set Silence before, of the Lambs? I believe, yeah. Yeah, but they're not allowed to refer to any, anything, any other characters or anything from that universe. It's just, it's just Clarice. And- Maybe they'll just have to reach and tell good stories, Aaron. That's right. <laughs> um, look, I've been watching, no surprises here, Superstore. So Superstore. Uh, <laughs> I am on season five and I'm actually trying to slow down because um, season six, the final season is about to air in the States and I'm a little nervous. I, I've really fallen for this show. I sometimes catch up with a bit of the Big Bang Theory. Uh, I did watch Maths and... Uh, I actually did enjoy it. It's um, it's trashy fun, but I like it. Um, I also watched Hamilton this week. Abby, our producer, was passing through Queensland and did a stopover at my place for a couple of nights and forced the family to watch Hamilton. And it was actually pretty good, I've got to say. So You got uh, into it. Oh, I, yeah. I, I watched it when it first came out. I just thought, unless you're really into American history or presidents, I thought, no, I'm just not getting it's, this. And the it's whole, not even the like whole take on it. So, oh, no. no, you know what? My wife and I first tried to watch it uh, when it first came out. We lasted like eight minutes, but yeah. we obviously just weren't in the mood for it. Okay. But Abby made us persist, and I mean, it's long. God, it's long. Uh, what was it? Four hours or something? Six hours? Seven is, hours? Is there some great twist in, in the third act or something? Is there that's worth no, hanging look, in there for that is, long? 
it is actually it's really clever and it's actually really engaging uh, and I'm really glad I've seen it. Now that it's something everyone talks about, I'm really glad. And I'll actually probably go and watch it again, having watched it once. Um, but the big thing on my list to watch, and is still WandaVision. Like, seriously, I cannot implore everyone how good this show is. WandaVision, WandaVision, if you haven't got on it, get on it now. It's not too late. Get on it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes for what to binge watch because I'm actually going on a little holiday next week. So, right, got to load all these on the iPad. Excellent. And uh, a little side note, the Binge Box actual full-blown podcast with Mulk, Stephen Brooke, Joe Casamento and Dan Bennett is coming back in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on your podcast feeds for that one. In the meantime, that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. Sarah, Aaron and Rod, thank you very much for your insights, my friends. We will see you next week. Go to tvblackbox.com.au for all your television news. We'll see you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.